Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. It is week 15 of the NFL season. The Seattle Seahawks have an opportunity to clinch a playoff spot this Sunday. If they're going to do it, they'll need to win on the road against the Washington football team. Joining me to talk about the game and what we might expect from Russell Wilson this weekend. He's a contributor to Field Goals with Sam's Film Room. He's also a fan of the Washington football team. He's Sam Gold. Welcome back to the show, Sam. <laughs> Thanks, man, for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I, I'm fired up to to talk to you about this because you know you posted on Field Goals here recently the the breakdown of Russell Wilson against the New York Giants. And gosh, looking back on that, Sam, it was just such a frustrating game. And, and watching the film room session, there there's a lot of things that you picked up on that, that maybe some Seahawks fans didn't during the game. And it's a little bit frustrating at, at this point of the season, especially going up against a Giants team that I know a lot of Seahawks fans were just saying, okay, blow them out. Let's move on, blow out the Jets, move on, and then take on this Washington football team coming up. And I'm kind of curious from just your experience watching Washington and the kind of defense they play, are, are they going to be able to frustrate Russell Wilson and some of those same types of ways that you saw the New York Giants defense frustrate him? You know, it's a really interesting question. And if I'm going to be completely blunt and honest, I think the answer is yes. And the reason why what worked and, and to give the spoiler, the spoiler edition version of that video that I created uh, for field goals was that the Giants did a really good job of pressuring on a four man rush. They used that enough in order to disguise their other pressures where they can get a three-man or even when they blitz to a fifth man uh, when they bring a safety down in order to blitz. And that instantly threw Russell Wilson off in this offensive line off that created a lot more pressures that, he, that he's used to. So in addition to that, the, the Giants also used a ton of disguise coverages where they would roll a late post-snap safety or cornerback back into a cloud coverage where basically what would happen is you'd see an outside cornerback play one of those safety spots and then you'd see that's another safety stepping up in the middle of the field, kind of like the Cam Chancellor buzz type role. And so you'd see those type of rotations and cloud coverages. And for some reason, and it, it it was honestly, it was a bunch, it was a lot of cover two, a lot of cover six that this happened on. Russell Wilson just couldn't identify it and it just seemed to confuse him. And then once you added the pressure and he just got all frantic in the pocket. And honestly, it was a miserable experience all just to be truthful and, Honestly, I, I I hated watching it because I I think he's so much better, so such a better quarterback than that, and that was just so painful. Well, and I think that's how Seahawks fans felt about that too. And there were ways, obviously, that they could have worked around some of those issues that the Giants were presenting. And and I think it's been covered pretty well that you know they just were late to adjust to what the Giants were doing. I am curious though with Washington. Do they have a cornerback like James Bradbury, who you can put on DK Metcalf, or or does does DK maybe present some challenges for the football team's defense that maybe you haven't seen them face against other receivers? I I don't think so, and that is the one saving grace I think we're going to get out of this is that I don't think they're going to be able to do a lot of star coverage, and the the Washington football team's best cornerback uh, this season. Uh, has been Ronald Darby, which is such a weird thing to say out loud because he's been god-awful at a bunch of his other spots. But for some reason, this season in this defense, you know, his last season in Philadelphia was just miserable. But this season with Washington, he's crushing it. 
He's playing exactly like what they needed out of him. But the thing is that I don't really see him as being that star coverage type of guy. Like he he mainly plays on one side. He's mainly their left cornerback. And it's one of those things where I don't see them mixing up in terms of star coverage or having a, a James Bradbury S type cornerback trail. And so what I see more or less happening is they're going to play Ronald Darby on the left. They'll play Kendall Fuller on the right. And it's it's going to be one of those situations where they're going to play a ton of zone defenses, mainly cover three and cover four. And, and I'm really interested to see if the Washington football team's defense and their defensive coordinator, uh, Jack Del Rio and, and Ron Rivera, and, and they all picked up on the cloud coverage issues that Russell Wilson had over the past few weeks. Because maybe if they pick up on that, then they might actually be able to disguise some of those coverages and do that in order to stop him. And I think that is one of your best chances. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the other thing I'm going to say is that Washington's defensive line is just so ridiculous that a four-man rush is going to win. A four-man rush will, will create pressure on Russell Wilson. And this team has to be ready for that. They have to be ready for quick screens. They have to be ready to get the ball quicker. I honestly see a lot of quick game coming from this offense. Um, which they didn't, they haven't done a lot of that in the past couple of weeks, and I feel like I feel like that should be the bread and butter of this defense, or or sorry, of this offense in this game. Uh, but this this defensive line is, I, I hate to say this from the Seahawks perspective, even though I am a Washington football fan, I, they're going to feast, yeah. And it's going to be one of those situations where if they don't stop them early, uh, it's it's going to be one of those ugly grind you out, low scoring games, almost eerily similar to the New York Giants game where. If they control that line of scrimmage and they allow them to, it's going to be a very ugly game on both sides because Washington is also not exactly off. They're, they're pretty offensively challenged. So I think it's going to be kind of a low scoring game. Yeah, I, and that would make absolute sense to me. Let's talk about this defensive line because they have guys. This, this is kind of reminiscent to me of facing San Francisco's 49ers defensive line last year or the L.A. Rams defensive line two years ago when they were making their Super Bowl run. I, I do think that it is on that level of, you know, because Jonathan Allen, you have him in the interior and he's leading the team in pressures. You have Chase Young on the outside, the second overall pick. You have Montez Sweat, the, the first round pick from two years ago, who's leading the team in sacks and, and right behind Jonathan Allen in terms of pressures. And then you got Deron Payne in the interior, too. And, and so those are you know, kind of the, the main four guys in terms of pressure. But then you have Tim Settle, who's also able to, to get some pressure on the quarterback, Ryan Kerrigan. So not only are, do you have some of the top guys, the, just the depth of it as well. What's, what's even crazy is that Matt Ioannidis is probably their best, uh, their best pass rusher on the defensive line, which is weird to say that for an interior guy, but... He's been one of their best, mo- most consistent players, and he got injured back in week three. Mm. So it's like this: that team is so incredibly deep that ex- I think you're exactly right that it's going to be impossible to double team any specific player and try to knock him out. And and that's what teams have honestly tried doing on Chase Young, but the other people start eating it also. Chase Young leads the entire team in, in their in double team pass rate. And then on top of that, so, so so that's what also creates those one-on-ones for guys like Jonathan Allen, and that's why he's having such a good season, is that Chase Young, a rookie defensive, defensive end, is what is also opening up other players. And I think we're going to see that a lot in this game coming too. Well, with the, the Seahawks offensive line, obviously it has improved this year, but if Brandon Shell is going to be out again, especially if you have Chad Wheeler in at right tackle, 
I I just have to see who who is going to be the most abusive player. Do you think that uh, go that we see coming out of this game against the Seahawks offensive line? It depends if Ethan Posick plays. I I think he's I think he's on target to playing right. Yeah. Um. I I I think it's going to be whoever faces the right tackle, which means it's Montez Sweat. Okay. Uh, I think Chase Young primarily goes up against left tackle. So seeing Chase Young versus Dwayne Brown, uh, I think that'll be a really good matchup. Uh, I think Dwayne has the edge right there. I, th- I think Chase is still a lot of potential. And that and that's actually the video I'm working on right now is looking at Chase Young's rookie season so far and kind of giving a snapshot of what his potential is. But I, I think it's going to be one of those things where if the right tackle of if Brandon if, if Brandon Shell can't play, which I don't think he is, I don't think he's slated to play this week. I think he's um, going to have a hard time playing. Yeah, after re-entering the you know or tweaking the ankle, as Pete said after the game, I just it seems unlikely to me that that they'll go. It it made sense yeah. to, for him to be out there against his former team, and then yeah, maybe they'll just give him another week of rest, which it worries me up against this defensive line. But then you know next week you have the Rams too, so I, I don't know if there is a good time really to to have to rest a guy like shell who has been such an important part of this offensive line and, and protecting Russell Wilson this year. Shell has been kind of a, a weird surprise. Yeah. Like, I don't think any of us actually thought shell was going to be this good. Right. And, and, and he's, and he's playing pretty well. He's having basically a career year on his end. And if, and they really need him to be healthy because he's doing an actually a pretty good job at that right tackle spot. And I, I'm, I'm hoping he comes back. Uh, but if you can't, uh, Chad Wheeler actually played decently well um, against the Jets. Yeah. Um, yeah, he actually played decently well, but we'll see what happens against uh, better uh, edge rushers. I, th- I think that's the way I'm going to have to say that because the Jets weren't exactly a test. No, so they, I, they I, don't I, have a guy like Montez Sweat uh, to, exactly. to put up against him. So, yeah, that that definitely concerns me. And that, uh, that's why I was asking, too, just if, if their alignment, who exactly that might be and. It sounds like Sweat might be one to watch for, especially if it's Wheeler out there. But it is interesting just to know, too, that the secondary itself is getting a lot of help then from that defensive line being so good. 100%. Yeah, I think I think that's a big thing is that they are getting a lot of help. Uh, but they're, they're, they do have some players that are standing out, like Cameron Curl. Uh, he's playing surprisingly well, um, and he was a seventh-round pick. Like in the last the last few games against San Francisco, against Pittsburgh, against, against Dallas, he's he's played exceptionally well starting back there, starting a strong safety. And I know Landon Collins is out, but honestly, Cameron Curl, I, I think, is playing better, which is weird to say that, especially given that Landon Collins got the big contract and, and everything like that. I I I do think that this secondary um is getting a ton of help from this defensive line and and even in even linebackers. Um, Cole Holcomb is is one of those guys that is 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 a linebacker number uh, number fifty five, and he's and he he plays pretty well himself. So it's 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 weird. It's 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 this is kind of unlike the Washington of years past that I'm kind of used to, where now it's like it's focused so much on that defensive line as opposed to having a decent secondary and kind of like not getting any pass rush. But now they're overpowered in pass rush. It's interesting, very interesting. And what's also interesting is just how this team has performed not just over the last four weeks on their four-game winning streak, but really over the last eight weeks. And Sam, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about the Washington football team's offense and talk about just the kind of streak that they have been on. We'll do that coming up next. Talking 
to Samuel Gold of Sam's Film Room. You can check out one of his recent videos on Russell Wilson at fieldgoals.com. And going into this game, Sam, just looking back at what the football team's done the last four weeks, I mean, being the first team to knock off the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers, that was big. And they're on this four-game winning streak. It's the second hottest streak in the NFL right now. But it goes back even farther than that. When I was really looking at it, Sam, it was after the Rams game that this team, it really seemed to to lock things down on defense. Yes, they they had that game. They, they really were so close to winning against the Giants. They go for the two-point conversion, trying to get the win. It fails, so they lose. But then, you know, a week after that, they hold Dallas to three points. And then they're so close in games against the Lions where it comes down to a last-second 59-yard field goal that that ultimately uh, loses the game for Washington. Uh, Another game against the Giants where Alex Smith has two drives at the end of the game with the opportunity to get the win and and ends up having passes intercepted. And so I just point that out to say just how close, going back the last eight games, that this team has been in every single one of these games and then goes on this winning streak the last four games. No, 100%. And it's such such a weird situation that – what, what is that? Three games that they lost by a grand total of seven points. Yeah. And 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 their wins have been pretty solid. They beat Dallas the first time by 22. They beat Cincinnati by 11. And yeah, J- Joe Burrow did get injured in that game. Um, so so we'll, we'll we'll ignore that one. But they beat Dallas by what 25. They they beat Pittsburgh uh in Pittsburgh by six. I mean, it's even even the San Francisco game, they were leading that for the majority of it with um, it was obviously defensive touchdowns, but it was that last second touchdown that made it semi close. Right. And uh, at least according to the scoreboard with a couple of situations or a couple of these end of game situations, like, as you said, Detroit and New York, uh, both times we could we could have seen Washington have have a winning season right now instead of being six and seven and and actually have a team in the NFC East that has a positive win record. And they're that close. And it's it's interesting that they're hitting fire, that they're catching fire right now uh, because Seattle is actually a good matchup for them. Their defensive line versus the Seahawks offensive line is, is a good matchup. Uh, Alex Smith versus the Seahawks secondary, that seems like a good matchup. The, the Washington's offensive line is probably going to do a pretty good job of not allowing him to get pressure. And so, and so I think it's going to come down to basically how well – uh, Russell Wilson can actually score because if he scores a little bit or at all, then the Seahawks can clearly win this game. But th- I think that's that's why this is going to be one of those grind you out. I'm going to go out a limb and just say 17 to 14 type games. I think it's going to be ugly. Well, and a big part of that, too, is are we going to see Alex Smith out there after he yeah, tweaks his, his calf last week and he sat out of practice Wednesday, he sat out of practice Thursday. So if he sits out again, I, I would think it looks a lot less likely. And that's got to be a huge difference between Alex Smith and Dwayne Haskins. Oh, yeah, no, without a doubt. And and Dwayne Haskins, it, it was Dwayne Haskins and his, and his development, his story is such it's so weird because he had the what the first four or five games and his best game of the season, ironically, was against the Ravens. And that was the game he got benched for. Mm. And it's it's and it's and everything I've read is that it was maturity issues and some other things like that where like he was bragging about his stats because he had I don't know, 300, 300 plus yards or something like that. And people got offended because he seemed happy, even though the team lost and the team was terrible. It's such a weird situation because 
we could actually see him develop and actually have a decent game because the Seahawks secondary just, they, they aren't, I'll just be blunt. They aren't the best, even though they have been playing a lot better as of recently. So it'll, it'll, it'll be interesting on a bunch of fronts to see who, who will actually take over this game and who will out, who will outright win it. And honestly, my money as a Washington football fan, I, I think the money is still on Russell Wilson. If he plays a good game, the Seahawks are going to win this game. Not easily, but they're going to win this game. But it all depends on him. Yeah, and we we kind of knew going into this last stretch of three games that it would make the passing defense look a lot better than it did earlier on in the season. But to go from number 32 to what they have been on the season and then just over the last three games be the number one team against the pass, only allowing 130 yards on average, I, it's it's quite the difference. I, I knew it was going to be better, but I, I guess I just didn't expect that a team that was that bad earlier on would be able to vault up to number one, even though it has been, you know, Carson Wentz, Colt McCoy and Sam Darnold. So, you know, not exactly murderer's row of quarterbacks. No, with, without a doubt. And it's it's weird that I like I expected exactly what you said. I expected that Philadelphia game for Carson Wentz to have his resurgence and for him to look incredible. And then everyone forgets that he ever had any problems. Because I because I broke him down after after he had his game against Minnesota where he looked awful, mm-hmm. and I broke down and basically said that he was the big issue in Philadelphia. But you can obviously give him credit that maybe he can actually turn it around. Yeah. Now clearly that never happened, and we have Jalen Hurts starting for that team. But at, but it, we were at that point where, based on how bad this passing defense was, I expected him to come back in full vengeance, and that didn't happen. And give credit to the Seahawks for that. They they have definitely turned around. Well, and even with Sam Darnold the week before, just against the Raiders defense, you know, they the Jets put up their biggest number of yards. And so now it feels like that Raiders defense looks a lot like the Seahawks defense did early on this season. So I, I think there might be something to to say about them figuring some things out. You know, will we know for sure if they've turned it around? I, I think we're going to find out here over these next three games, especially this game against Washington could tell us something. Uh, the Rams next week definitely going to tell us something. And I, I am curious because we, we've talked now, Alex Smith, we, we've talked about Dwayne Haskins, but I want to talk about Terry McLaurin because he is the one guy that I think out of all the weapons on offense worries me the most. I 100% agree with you. And it's scary Terry or the captain now. He is incredible. And I am still blown away by how good he is. Uh, and it's one of those things where like if – Everybody knew how good he was going to be. He would not have fallen to the third round. Oh, no. It's the same situation with DK Metcalf, where you look at the question marks, you you kind of push him down on your board. In DK Metcalf's case, that should never have happened, but people did. And, and that's the thing with Terry McLaurin is that no, no one could have expected him to become a top 10 type, tw- top maybe 15 wide receiver in the NFL and by his second season. And he's that good. So it will be interesting to see if, if the Seahawks end up shadow covering or or what they end up doing, if they they want to use their drop back zone coverages or just pattern match or or what exactly they'll do to stop them, because out of any receiving threat on this team, he's it, um, especially if Antonio Gibson can't go. So if 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 it's just Terry McLaurin, I feel like they have to change up their game plan and shoot. I, I would consider doubling them on every single play and going one on one everywhere else. Right. Because I, I think you can do that and slow down that offense even more than they already are. Yeah, it would make complete sense because he is the one guy that you really have to worry about. You have Logan Thomas at tight end, who's the second leading receiver on the team right now. And then number three, 
Uh, here's a name for Seahawks fans. J.D. McKissick having a little bit yeah. of resurgence with the football team this year. And J.D. McKissick is, is pretty interesting, too, because Scott Turner's offense features what's called a pony back, where basically the running back gets gets involved in a lot of the passing plays, um, you know, running anything from angle routes to 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 wheels, to floods, to flats, to any anything you can think of. The running back becomes a central key component. And a lot of that was picked up from the, the Christian McCaffrey days where you can do literally anything with that player. And, and Scott Turner has done that with J.D. McKissick and, and Antonio Gibson, where you can just swap him in and out and kind of play that pony back type receiving role. And, and J.D. McKissick looks pretty good at it. I mean, he has over 400 yards, and he's and I, I feel like Seahawks fans are going to be like, whoa, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think J.D. McKissick could do this. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see exactly because, yeah, I, I haven't watched a lot of Washington football, but obviously that was something that jumped out at me. So going into this game, you know, you, Sam, you're you're kind of one of the unique people to talk to with regard to this game with being a Washington fan and, and watching Seahawks film so closely. So one of the things I, I'm kind of curious about is with Jamal Adams, with him having eight and a half sacks. And, you know, with the the potential that you know you were saying earlier that you think that this well, Washington offensive line can beat the Seahawks defensive line. So would you use Adams more as a guy to rush the passer in this game? Or or is there another way that you can envision the Seahawks defense trying to use him against Washington, whether it's, you know, doubling up McLaurin or or some other use for him? It's a really good question. And that's I think they're going to have to blitz him a decent amount. Like obviously not every play because you never do that. Right. But on say 10% of his snaps, he's 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 going to get blitzed. And that's mainly because the Seahawks can't rush the passer without a Carlos Dunlap on the field. And do we know if Carlos Dunlap is going to play? I, you know? I th- he sat out practice uh, both Wednesday and Thursday, so I, I'm leaning toward it being unlikely. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's 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 a game changer. Also, yeah. Carlos Dunlap is playing really well. Puna Ford is crushing it too, and, and that's a guy that nobody talks enough about. Um, but anyways, for me, it comes down to. Can they create pressure off of a four-man rush? And against this offensive line, the answer is no. So the way I look at this is that Jamal Adams will get blitzed a bunch of times. I also can see them going one-on-one, man versus man, and lining him up against Logan Thomas. Because if you can do that, you take away Washington's, one of their top three receiving threats. Yeah, And and you can always play Bobby Wagner, or KJ Wright, or one of those guys is, is going to be able to match up to a running back or even even have a Jordan Brooks running in, running out into space covering a running back in the flats or something like that. Yeah. So I to kind of wrap that up. I I I think we'll see Jamal Adams blitzing a decent amount, uh, but I also can see him being used as kind of like that one on one mismatch type of player, um, especially against a guy like Logan Thomas, where Jamal Adams clearly has the edge, and we can see that. He's Sam Gold of Sam's Film Room. Follow him on Twitter at Samuel R Gold. And uh, be sure and be sure and check out his Patreon page, his YouTube page. Sam, really appreciate you coming on and and helping look ahead to this game on Sunday. Uh, what it, and I guess you said your expectation of it about seventeen fourteen, so a close matchup. Yeah, I think it's going to be seventeen fourteen. I I have the Seahawks winning, uh, but I think it's going to be one of those ugly ugly games that we're going to hate ourselves for watching it to the final minute. <laughs> I I will not hate myself for a win after this game, Sam, because it means the Seahawks are in the playoffs. So if they win by one, if they win by three, I don't care as long as you know players come out healthy. I, I'm going to be sat. I'm telling myself right now, I'm going to be satisfied with a win. <laughs> yeah, 100 percent, man. I'm with you. And uh, man, I, I'm just hoping for a good game. 
definitely hoping for a good game and then another really good game after that with the Rams coming into Seattle week 16. Can't wait for that. Sam, once again, thanks for coming on. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. Be sure and subscribe to the show, sbnation.com slash NFL podcast. Check out Sam's video up at fieldgoals.com. Be sure and check all the injuries going into this game against Washington there as well. And until next time, go Hawks. Hawks.